On this episode of How to Actually Change the World, we talk with Professor Robert F. Swarzwalder. Professor Swarzwalder is a senior lecturer and professor in Regent University's Honor College. Today we talk inflation and economics. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome to How to Actually Change the World. Uh, we are excited to be with you today. My name is Darvin Wentes. And I am Ray Pearson Ben. And uh, this is How to Actually Change the World. We are talking with incredible people. Uh, and we've gotten the honor of interviewing incredible people. And we will continue to interview incredible people. And they're not just incredible. They're people who have come to Regent, who have been out in the world doing awesome things. Uh, and today... Our guest is no different. They Absolutely. are so special, <laughs> such a great person. This is Professor Schwarzwalder, Robert Schwarzwalder. That's the first name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with one of our other interviews, I I said uh, their first name, and that was all I said. <laughs> and and sort of like Beyonce. I mean, everybody knows, right? <laughs> Everyone now knew. you have arrived when you have that one name. That yeah, one name. One name. Bono, Bon Jovi. <laughs> it's all I want. <laughs> so you're gonna oh do goodness. it for Robert, right? Yeah, that'll do it. It's done. Yeah. I love well, it. Well, I want to give the folks who are are listening and, and watching the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. So before we dive into your professional thoughts, mm. I want to hear a little bit about you. Like, what's your favorite team? What's the food that you like? Yeah. Good questions. Um, of course, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, he said, I, of course. Of course. <laughs> Um, sometimes known as America's team. Um, really? Uh, no, okay. not really. Just, um, I thought that was the Cowboys. Oh, no, please. This is, let's not get into heresy here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm from the Seattle area, so okay. Seahawks are uh, the hometown team. Okay. And then food, um, I'm going to feel terribly guilty, but I will be honest. Probably fried chicken. Oh, okay. With Dr. Pepper. You do not have to um, with a Dr. Pepper. That's okay. This, yes. Well, you're in a good location for good fried chicken. Yes, so everywhere. You headed down to the south, so yeah, yeah. It's a great place for fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, it is. I love. I think fried it's just chicken. about everybody's favorite too. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. You know. So too. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so you are here at the university. You're one of our professors, a beloved mm. professor by a lot, uh, a lot mm. of students that I went to school with. I didn't graduate very long ago, so I, you know, got to hear a lot of really great things about That's you. Really kind. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about your role here at the university? Well, it's really a pleasure to be with both of you. Um, I teach in the honors college and get to work with some of the honor students in uh, a variety of classes. I also teach in the general education department. Hmm. And I think that's where maybe I've had, I might even have had you years ago, uh, Darvin. I don't recall. He said years ago. Yeah, years. (laughs) I mean, looking at how you've aged, who knows? Yeah, age hasn't done me too well. Uh, (laughs) You and me both, brother. Oh, my gosh. um, But I've taught and continue to teach some of the large general education classes. So it's sort of, for me, it's a fusion of both. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you to do something that I think is a big deal. I would like you to break something down for me and define these three words. Can you define like capitalism, socialism, and communism? Sure. That's an incredibly good question. And let me start with socialism and communism and then go to capitalism. Socialism is the idea of public ownership of commodities and the Mm -hmm. means of production. 
So, for example, under a socialist system, mm -hmm. the government would own all the hydroelectric power. It would own all the oil fields. It would own all of the mines. It would own um, the farmland mm -hmm. and so forth. Um, it would not be a complete elimination of private enterprise, but private enterprise would play a much smaller role. Karl Marx saw no real distinction between socialism and communism. He mm -hmm. often used the terms interchangeably. But if you read his writing and the writings of others who followed him, Engels and, and Lenin later, um, they argued that socialism was sort of a mid-step between capitalism and communism. Mm -hmm. For example, the former Soviet Union, its full name was the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Socialism mm. was seen as an intermediary course to get to communism, mm -hmm. which is a system where basically nobody owns anything. The state owns everything. And people, according to Marx, um, everyone gives according to their ability and gets according to their need. Mm. On its surface, that sounds very appealing mm -hmm. until you consider that Marx said the basic premise of communism was a denial of private property. Nobody could own anything because everything was shared in common. Now, mm. how would that be guaranteed? Mm -hmm. First, through the role of the state. Um, in the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights, in the original charter, it said that our rights came from God. The USSR said that they would not sign that charter because they said rights come from the state. Mm. If rights come from the state, then that means the state has taken the role of God yeah. and also can rescind whatever rights it gives whenever it wants to. Mm. Yep. Um, in tandem with that, capitalism argues private property is essential. Um, all of us like going to a place to live that we know is our own. Nobody's going to come in and say, now you have to subdivide this into three different apartments. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, we all enjoy knowing that in the morning we can get up and we can put on the clothes that we have purchased. They belong to us. Private property is essential to the free market economy. And it also speaks to the fact that in the different systems that we're discussing, there is a very foundational difference in addition to the idea that God is the author of rights. And that is the idea that life is more than the material. Mm -hmm. Karl Marx did not believe in anything spiritual, eternal. He thought, this is it. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is everything. And consequently, if man is mere matter, he can be reshaped just like putty. And therefore, the, the whole idea of communism is we will reshape the way you think so that you will want to be generous, you will want to be mm. giving, and so forth. That does two things. First, it removes the whole issue of the spiritual nature of man. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, we know we have been created by a loving God in his image and yep. likeness mm -hmm. for eternal purposes, mm -hmm. not just temporal. We are more than mere physical stuff. But also, we are people who are finite. Mm -hmm. For example, if Darwin were to ask me to pray for a cousin of his who's in the military, I would be glad to do that. But I probably would not pray as intensely for as long as I would if my own son were mm -hmm. in the military. Mm -hmm. We are people who don't have an inc infinite capacity to love, to give, yeah. to share. That's why God has put us in families and in close fellowship with good friends. Mm -hmm. Only God has the capacity to love generously mm -hmm. and infinitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a basic difference in, this, in the Marxist system and the free market system. Yeah. The free market system recognizes we will do good for others as we seek to do good 
for those closest to us, those entrusted to us by God, those who um, we love the most intensely. Unlike Karl Marx, we recognize that only God is infinite. Only God can have compassion for everyone equally. Yeah. Long answer to a great question, but I yeah. hope that's I helpful. Do, can I ask you a question with that, t- taking me and you know, breaking it down even further? Simplistic way of seeing this in between, if we have capitalism over here and we have communis- communism over here, socialism in the center allows you to own private you know, private property. If, Is there a cap on what you can own and, and make? I think invariably there would have to be. For example, okay. say that mm-hmm. um, you, Ray, um, you you decide you're going to move to Colorado and okay. you buy um, some property there and all of a sudden you find oil. Um, if the state owns the means of production, it is no longer raised. Mm. It belongs to the state. Yep. Now, they might give you, you know, some minor consideration for getting on your property, but you would not have the right to use what you own. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, I think that that's I have actually two things. So mm-hmm. I think. That with regard to, uh, you know, a socialist system, I mean, we, we have countries around the world that operate in more socialist manners, operate a little less socialist, but typically have free market variables mm-hmm. to them. I, and I think, you know, even the United States, to a certain extent, has some socialistic things that we have. We have social programs, which is a, you know, the government controlling this happening. You know, the difference between uh, a food bank that is run by a ministry and a food bank that's run by the government is that the ministry is giving out of its need, like overflow and mm-hmm. what it's pulling in, mm-hmm. and the government is pulling from the people, and so it's the state has owned it. There's, a, I think, a, a thing to consider in that, and that's the idea of coercive charity, mm-hmm. as in you will be generous. Mm. The government comes along. Now, I'm quick to add, I hope all of us as believers, we want to share generously. Yeah. We don't want yep. anybody in our society to suffer. Mm-hmm. That being said, when the state comes along and says, you have this, he does not, so we're going to take from you yep. and give to that person, that's a slippery slope because mm-hmm. where does it stop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Where does it end when government says, well, you have too much? Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to kind of weaponize extreme wealth like, say, an Elon Musk, yeah. $150 billion or mm-hmm. whatever you know he, he has, and say, well, he should give more. Maybe he should, but where does it stop? Yeah. Where does it come to, you know, uh, how much each person is being um, forced to give? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Voluntarism is a basic biblical principle, and that's a good model for us as believers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I have another another question, and this is a question that's been raised to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a pretty capitalist-leaning person because I see that right there as being – if they are coercing your generosity, mm-hmm. there is no true change in the person. No true change and, and no monitoring of what your heart would do otherwise. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think right. that people, individuals, and this is something that, that capitalism has done well, in my opinion, is that innovation comes out of the more capitalist places, mm. you know? And so my desire to go and get more then benefits everyone else. And I continue to do that and mm-hmm. more people get benefited. And I can't do that if I, I have no incentive to mm-hmm. innovate, especially mm-hmm. with regards to them stealing my land. I mm-hmm. can't innovate better oil processes. I can't do any of that. Let's go with the side of sun, you know, solar, wind, any of those electric, you know, for anyone who really doesn't like oil and stuff, even that innovation will get like stopped if we 
aren't allowing people and their ingenuity to continue to do that and desire it out of themselves. That is so well said, Darwin. Yeah. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. It, the capitalist system, which says you can keep what you earn, is the system that promotes innovation. It promotes creativity, resourcefulness. Yeah. And it also creates um, a sense of conservation in the best sense. I'm not talking about the fact some companies haven't exploited God's uh, good gifts to us. Mm-hmm. But in the sense that if you know, unless I am a good steward of what I have, mm-hmm. it'll all be gone or ruined, you're going to take better care of it. That comes to the fact that we wash our clothes. We don't want to have to go buy new clothes every day. But also to things like the internal combustion engine and penicillin and um, all kinds of inventions, the the technology that we see all around us. These are things that have been sprung because people had ideas, not only ideas that they knew would benefit others, but which they knew if they had patents on them or trademarks, they could market, they could sell, they could refine benefit their families, benefit their communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that we've heard, you know, certainly heard the truth in each one of these systems and, and why they, or one probably prevails more than the other in, in our views. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me out of the three, or even breaking it down, which is inherently evil and why would you say so? I would say communism particularly is dangerous because communism is an intrinsically atheistic system. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, It denies the existence of God. Marx wrote extensively, and Marx um, followers over the years have written extensively about how God is the creation of a weak mind. Um, Marx Mm. called religion the opiate of the people. Mm -hmm. Um, His successor, Lenin, said it's nothing more than a narcotic. In other words, Mm. it's designed deliberately by the powerful to keep the weak in a position of reliance. My life is miserable, so I'll look to this magic being in the sky. And we know as Christians that's not true. Mm -hmm. There is a personal God who became a man in the person of Jesus um, who loves us and engages with us in our lives and in history. And that's profoundly dangerous. And the implications of that are... um, George Frederick Hegel, who was very influential on Mark, uh, and this is a rough paraphrase, wrote once, the state is God walking on earth. Because if there is no God, then how do we organize society? Well, there has to be some sort of government. Who composes the government then? Well, we know fallen people. Any time in history, a relatively small group of people has had absolute power. Mm -hmm. They have exercised it with viciousness and corruption. Mm because man is a fallen being. Yeah. Um, and that's ultimately why communist systems fail. It's why China really, in a sense, is no longer a communist nation. It's an authoritarian state mm-hmm. with rigid control of its people, and it's atheistic. But it's also acknowledged we can't survive this way. Yeah. So we're going to open up our system to free market economics, to yeah. capital formation, and that's why China has thrived over the last 50 years. Yeah. Mm. So communism, I think, is a, a, the most dangerous system of all. Yeah. Yeah. Man, well, we've been talking capitalism, socialism, mm. communism, and that has taken all of our time yes. here. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with you guys. At Regent University, you'll gain the knowledge, character, and skills to change the world. Whether you pursue an associate, bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, you'll be supported by faculty and students who are committed to your success. 
experience the difference of America's premier Christian university that offers over 150 areas of study online and on campus in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Learn more at www.regent.edu. And we're back uh, with Robert Schwarzwalder, Professor Schwarzwalder. Mm-hmm. This has been so fun. I know. We've been... he, he's, he's loving the one one name, <laughs> Robert. <laughs> Robert. I love it. Just don't call me late for dinner. That's the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been talking about some meaty things, mm-hmm. capitalism, socialism, communism. We've been talking a little bit about how we feel, what we think of, of them, how we feel they fit into Christianity, mm-hmm. um, particularly uh, communism and uh, capitalism as systems. Um, and it, all of this is economic talk, and economic talk is happening every single day right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you don't you don't stop a second. I know. Let's talk economics now. <laughs> if you're alive in 2022, <laughs> you are hearing inflation this, inflation that. I'm hoping that, he has you know? some solutions. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's tough. That's tough. Oh. Um, so, you know, inflation right now, uh, I, I think the average is right around 2.5% in the last 10, 15 years or something like that. Um, or an adjusted yeah, yeah. inflation rate is around that point. Right now it's at 9%. Mm-hmm. Like, that, it's wild. I just saw that today. Mm-hmm. I had a, a coworker send me a, a chart and 9.1%. Like, Thank yeah. God for Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because he's yeah. sustaining me. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He yeah. is our sustenance. Mm-hmm. And so talk a little bit about inflation. I feel like everyone's heard about it. Everyone knows that it means they're paying a little bit more mm-hmm. for stuff, but like they don't know what inflation really it's is. It's like, one of those terms, it? yeah, that we just toss around. The idea of inflation, it's if you think of a dollar bill as being kind of like a balloon, literally it gets inflated. Um, putting it another way, um, the more money there is in circulation, the less value it has. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to take the Hope Diamond, the most valuable diamond in the world, put it under um, some kind of a sledgehammer and break it up, it suddenly would become much less valuable. Mm-hmm. It's the same with our currency. Um, in the last two years, the Federal Reserve has dramatically increased the amount of mm-hmm. money in circulation. Yeah. It did that because of the COVID crisis and the desire to get money into people's hands. But like anything else, if you just kind of make something up with no objective value attached mm-hmm. to it really doesn't mean a lot. It doesn't have a lot of value. And so we're seeing this huge influx of dollars into the global economy and into our economy. That means money doesn't have the value it did only a year and a half ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in tandem with that, you've heard perhaps that there are 9,000 oil leases. President Biden has said that, waiting for companies to drill. When asked about this, the oil companies have said, first of all, it takes years to actually begin drilling. Mm -hmm. But second, we have been told that America is going to an entirely green economy within the next 20 to 30 years. We don't have an incentive, to use that word again, to drill. Mm -hmm. So in essence, why should we use the tools we have to create a uh, a resource? That won't be. Right. And so it's a a difficult dilemma. so what but, happens to us now? Well, that's mm-hmm. a great question. Um, currently, President Biden is on his way to Saudi Arabia, and, and according to news reports, he'll be asking them 
um, to release more oil. Hmm. And what's sad is only two years ago, we were an exporter of oil. We were energy sufficient, self-sufficient. America is the biggest producer of oil in the world. We have tremendous resources, but we have to get to it. And, you know, I used to work for a congressman who said once, I am all for environmental protection, but not at the cost of economic suicide. And I think that's a good statement. All of us want a cleaner world. Mm -hmm. But at what cost do we want to go ahead and penalize ourselves so families of ordinary means, they can't get the things that they need at the grocery store or they have to cut way back or they're buying powdered milk because they can't afford a a quart of milk. Um, These are real issues, and we all know that. Even though gas is coming down a little bit, mm-hmm. it's still at like a 40-year high in mm-hmm. terms of real dollars. Yeah. Um, we need to do some things. And one of the things we don't need to do is have new government spending. Um, the last couple COVID relief bills, on their face, they sound good, positive, and yet they have been inflationary. Mm-hmm. Um, if you simply, as I said earlier, print money mm-hmm. with nothing really behind it, And the other thing is you have to remember that on every dollar bill, it says full faith and credit of the government of the United States. It's an instrument of trust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if that trust is broken, as in this dollar really doesn't get me that much anymore, Mm -hmm. then the whole basis of the economy begins to tumble. We saw this, have seen this even today. The last time I checked, the stock market had fallen 600 points. That's a huge loss. Um, When they see things like rising inflation, America kind of going, and I I don't want to disparage President Biden, but any president to go to a foreign power and kind of say, please help us, that's troubling to me as an American. Mm -hmm. Not that we have to be, you know, all powerful, number one all the time, but we have the resources. We're just not using them. And long answer to a good question again, but those are some thoughts at least. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I think um, there's this, there's this balance that we try to strike. I think um, because with with regard to oil and energy, um, you know, that's a big place that all of us see the inflation mm-hmm. every single day. You know, we go to the, the gas pump and all of a sudden our gas is, you know, double what it was mm-hmm. costing when we were before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also kind of have to realize this, too, that we we are we have a lot of environmental concerns that are constantly up our alley and we have to figure out how to balance not destroying our people and not destroying our future people, Mm -hmm. you know? And a lot of people are saying you need to, well, they don't care about the current people and they say, let's just, let's focus on the future. And then all of a sudden you have things like this happen. Uh, And, you know, this is, I think, a symptom. It's not quite like this is the destruction of everything, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, if you only focus on yourself, then you are not being a good steward of our planet so there's this balance though and i don't i don't i don't claim to know what the balance should be or just focusing on right now yeah yeah Mm -hmm. we do have to think long term Mm -hmm. yeah there's no question about that um i think the question is and you use the term balance how do we put these things in tension Mm -hmm. and it seems like right now it's out of balance yeah Mm -hmm. um another thing i didn't mention is the biden administration has proposed a five trillion dollar spending bill Hmm. We just don't have the money. It would involve a lot of new taxes. Um, So you had said earlier, uh, Ray, about solutions. One thing we need to do is curtail the amount of money that's in circulation, 
give it back more do- more the dollar more value. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing we need to do is be very careful about the way the federal government is spending and spending. Yeah. And it's a bipartisan problem. I worked in the George W. Bush administration. Tons of money went out. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, over the last two and a half decades, we have spent trillions that we don't have. Yeah. Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, liberals, they've all been complicit in this. Yeah. And I, you know, as Americans, that should trouble us. A- a- I'll just say one more thing. Mm-hmm. And that is, and this is, a, this is something to which I have no good resolution. We want government's benefits, but we don't want its costs. Mm-hmm. It's hard to make choices, but yeah. the time to make them is now. Yeah. If right. we do care about our future, um, as well as the benefit or, or the prosperity of the American people today, mm-hmm. we've got to make some hard choices. Yeah. So explain to me this, because economics is, is not my forte. I am a writer. Uh, <laughs> I am, you know, communications and PR and all of that. This is so very interesting because it affects me. You know, it mm-hmm. affects all of us down to our households. Mm-hmm. So when you make the determination and you say that in order to increase the value of the dollar, we have to make sure we're pulling in and not like flooding the market with dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you do that and you reduce it, who does it immediately hurt and how can we counter that? That's a great question, yeah. and I think part of it comes to incentives. For example, um, if we, if the federal government begins to spend less and has less money for certain programs, how are we going to pick up the slack? One thing is to incentivize businesses to create jobs, yeah. um, give them tax benefits, give them research grants, and so forth. Allow them to thrive in an open market system of competition. Um, I think another thing um, is by virtue of, say for example, there's a Subway sandwich shop and somebody opens up the sandwich shop. You think that's no big deal? In a sense, Mm -hmm. is it the same thing as Boeing or IBM? No. Mm -hmm. But that is going to employ, say immediately, 10 to 15 people. Mm -hmm. Those people are going to go buy groceries. They're going to go buy clothes. Mm -hmm. They're going to rent or buy homes and so forth. In other words, there are spinoff effects. Mm-hmm. The small business, the small business um, as a whole, is an engine of economic growth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we can encourage, foster small businesses yeah. um, by giving them incentives to open up without excessive regulation or whatever else. Yeah. And so that's why there, there's a grand push for like SWAM, and you know those those. You know, push for entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and pushing for that uh, mm-hmm. angles to say, hey, there's incentive for you to start your own business because of the ripple effect that it will right. cause in turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I think that that's something that's beautiful. And I want to get to some other questions here, um, and I'll, I'll just say one last thing on this. I think that's something beautiful about where we live. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm I'm the son of an immigrant man, uh, and my mother, she came from Puerto Rico, so. Um, you know, we are from away. One one was American when she came, but the other one became an American when he came. And it's so cool watching them interact with this market system that we have and be able to go out and find and fight for the things. And as someone that I listen to often says, go and kill the gazelle and drag it home. You know, like that's what that's the what gazelle. We do. Did you have to pick the gazelle? <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they went and they got the food and they Maybe, brought it home. Yeah. Can you we know? say ox? <laughs> yeah, right. Something a little less attractive. <laughs> and, uh... Oh, my gosh. But it's 
so cool to get to see that mm-hmm. and see how it's benefited me, my family, mm-hmm. those around us, the people that they've benefited, like countless people that they've benefited themselves, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it's a it's a really cool thing. And I think that when people take a hard look at some of the, some of the things that are being espoused with regard to communism, with regard to socialism, and a lot of the government programs, they, they should take a good look and see what has this produced that is good? What has mm-hmm. this produced that is bad? And how can we come into what that are the outcomes yeah mm-hmm. um so with that said you are doing great things by training up students mm-hmm. and uh, you know teaching them and fostering a, a mind that is a christian mind a mind mm-hmm. that that is critically thinking that is thinking about the world in uh, hard ways and and you know reasoning through all these things tell us a little bit about your experience as a professor yeah, there's been some tremendous experiences with students. Um, one of the things that I've enjoyed the most is interacting in mentor groups or in individual mentorships, mm. spending time hearing a student's heart as well as the questions of his or her mind. Um, one of the things that has touched me at Regent is how many students really want to think about what it means to live for Christ in mm-hmm. very practical ways, mm-hmm. not just to pass a quiz on a, in a Bible class, but how do I live Christ in the world of media? Mm-hmm. How do I live Christ in the world of technology? Mm-hmm. And to interact with them, whether in classes or in small groups or individually, that's a joy. And mm-hmm. I get paid for that. <laughs> um, it, it's, an, it's such an amazing privilege. That's awesome. uh, I was telling my wife just yesterday, I was thinking about a former student, and I, uh, I don't know if I'll ever forget, when he came to class, he was like this, leaning forward with great intensity not because of me, but because of the things we were talking about from Scripture. And it just meant so much to me. We later met he and one of his close friends, and we would go over. um, They were teaching First John in a group here at Regent, and they wanted me to go over their lessons with them. To see these young people who have hearts for God Mm -hmm. and want to communicate communicate his word faithfully and effectively, that makes an old guy's heart go faster. Praise God. I think it certainly makes us comfortable as you shift to know that how time passes, Darwin, (laughs) (laughs) as time passes that we have to hand the baton off and it lets lets us know that it's okay because the the numbers are, are, Mm. are being replenished. And that's, yeah, that's exactly right. Folks who are believers. We want to make sure this is not about us. It's right. all about Christ. Amen. And, you know, you think of somebody who's, who's famous, well-known, um, very influential in his day. Um, you think of a two-term president like Bill Clinton or George W. Bush, very prominent in the news every day. When was the last time you woke up and your first thought was, I wonder what President Bush is doing today? <laughs> no. Probably yeah. not. We are on this earth for a short time. Yep. And mm-hmm. it's only what we invest in eternity that's yep. going to matter. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so good to have a professor say. And, uh, you know, like I I had friends that had you as a professor and they loved you. And I've heard mm-hmm. so many things. Cool. Um, and it's clear that you have this like strong desire 
to communicate Jesus, mm. communicate what he stood for, mm. what he was about, and what the scriptures have to say about him. And that is really, really great to see. And we mm. have professors like that here at the university. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. And that's a, a reason we want you to come to Regent and to know the people here and become one of the people that, that sits in this seat that mm-hmm. we interview mm-hmm. and that we share the story with. Uh, because we have stories just like that. We have one final question, and we ask mm-hmm. this of everyone. Um, how does someone actually change the world? In your perspective, tell us what, what you think about that. I think it depends on where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, if God calls you to be a machinist at a small shop in rural Ohio, or if he calls you to be a captain of industry and to be the CEO of... ABC News, um, or anything in between, if this is where God has called you by virtue of living before him with integrity, with diligence, being excellent, being bold, then that's what is influential. Um, None of us can wave a wand and change the world. The world is a fallen place. Someone once wrote, Everyone knows the world has been shaved by a drunken barber, hmm. which I think is a pretty, <laughs> pretty descriptive. That's pretty profound. Yeah, yep. it is. And, and I think that there's great truth to that. None yeah. of us are going to make permanent, comprehensive change. We can make change, though, by virtue of living for Christ in the spheres where he puts us, yep. change individually and corporately. Mm-hmm. Look at the great movements in our history. Look, for example, at the abolition movement. It took from the founding of the Republic until 1865, and then another hundred years for the Civil Rights Movement to finally give people of color opportunities that they had been denied, Mm -hmm. and that in some ways some of them are still not accessing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You look at the the pro-life movement. Earlier this month, uh, we had this tremendous victory, the overturn of Roe v. Wade. We're thankful for that. It took almost 50 years. And now, at the state level, the fight's going to continue, mm-hmm. and the need for the church to step up and care for women and be there yep. with them and for them is only yep. increasing. Yep. So Winston Churchill said once, defeat is never fatal. Victory is never final. It's courage that counts. Mm-hmm. And our courage comes wow. from the Lord, yep. from mm-hmm. a God who is real, yeah. who wants to work in and through us as we follow him. Yeah. Amen. Man, that was a good word. That was a great word right there. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today. It's a joy. It was so fun speaking with you about all these meaty topics and Mm. uh, getting to know your perspective as a professor and what you do with the students and just how profound the work is here. Mm. Um, So thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you. We are so excited that you guys wanted to tune in. And uh, Ray and I, we have a really good time with these. These are really fun. Yeah, we do. Please. It was wonderful introducing them to Robert. Yes, to yeah. Robert. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, man. Going on uh, tour next week. Uh, with Liberace. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I love it. Can I join uh, in Liberace? Yeah, well, yeah. I'll, oh, you can gosh. take his place. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you guys for listening. We hope that you enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And if you did, please like, subscribe, leave a comment. Mm-hmm. And if you are on YouTube, please hit that bell notification so you can get notified every single time that we have an episode out. 
My name is Darvin Wentes. I am Ray Pearson Ben. And that was how to actually change the world. We'll see you guys on the next one.